alpha the um I start recording right as you get the best line that we're gonna have in the I was uh, I was watching um, Fox News as I often do this week, and uh, who's the drunk judge? Judge uh, Judge Jenny Bureau. Judge Jenny And is she? Can I ask? Is she actually drunk, or is that just? Is she just like? What do you think? Is she actually drunk? She sounds really drunk to me. Wes, she's had a stroke. For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> right, but like from drinking, or <laughs> well. A number of reasons. Did she have like a Bukowski stroke or like a? (laughs) (laughs) But um, she was doing like the thing where she was like, "Where do they keep getting these names? Who came up with Omicron?" (laughs) 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 I'm guessing, and these are the people who want to bring back the Western canon. Like, I don't know, man. It's Greek to me. That's all Greek to me. Like, why? Why, why don't these kids today learn the classics? Anyway, where does Omicron come from? <laughs> we need to be more like Jefferson. <laughs> That's my owning slaves. <laughs> well, she meant that part. <laughs> That's the weird thing. I mean, this is a whole different thing. That's the that's the weird thing too. Is like all the they're like the Western canon, the Western canon, and why don't we learn classics anymore? And then like being said by the most absolute ignorant people on the face of the earth. Like, like I mean, I'm a huge Jefferson critic, but like if you read the books that he read, we'd all be a lot better off, right? Or if you got, yeah, yeah, a lot of books. Just read read a book um speaking of reading books like uh louisiana senator uh john kennedy in the news again i'm doing my news reading already uh in the news (laughs) again this week louisiana senator john kennedy uh in the news again this week uh because he you know john kennedy was doing his uh did you see the thing where he was like have you resigned from the communist youth to the (laughs) who was born (laughs) Uh, and she's like, uh, well, I don't, the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. And he's like, yeah, but did you write him a letter to say that you uh, had resigned? It's like, um, well, I'm not, I'm not a teenager anymore, so I don't really qualify for it. But did you write a letter? Do you have a letter? A that letter? To who? The Soviet Union? <laughs> um, but, you know, and then people are like, oh, Oh, John Kennedy, like what a dumb, dumb redneck. And it's like, dude, John Kennedy uh, went to Oxford and has a law degree from UVA. Like, you know, just I'm sitting here saying we just read more books, but just read more books doesn't cure what what ails you in all of these circumstances. I think that's proven by every English department I've ever set foot in. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, maybe. It was also so funny, too. I mean, this is a... The Soviet thing always cracks me up because it's kind of like that does knows no left or right because remember it was like last year Joy Reid was like uh, over all the Russiagate stuff was like all right comrade about people who associated with Vladimir Putin and it's like oh you might have missed a few you might have missed a few details in there might have missed um, a couple of decades yeah as Holly Hunter said in. in uh, my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Well, they're all my favorite. Uh, Things have changed. (laughs) As I blank out on the name of the movie. The baby kidnapping movie. Hmm? Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. The best. changed. The best. They're all the best when you think about it. Much better, yeah. I've been holding out on on uh, watching the Ballad of Buster Scruggs because I don't because I think it's going to be really good and I don't want to watch it already. So I've been like holding out for a year, even though my friend uh, worked on it for a while. Well, just watch Raising Arizona again. I would. I I say 
with all the fight scenes in human history, the best and most realistic fight scene is uh, John Goodman versus Nicolas Cage in Racing Arizona, <laughs> trying to fight inside a trailer. <laughs> was it Nicolas Cage scrapes his knuckles on the ceiling because it's too low? <laughs> I think statistically, over ninety percent of all fights happen inside of trailers too. So, hey, now that's cl- classist. Uh, well, ninety percent of fights. I- yeah. 90% of fights I've been in have been inside yeah, trailers. I was say, <laughs> yeah. Or trailer 90, parks. Trailer yeah, 90% parks. of times I've been assaulted while riding my bicycle have happened inside of trailer parks in Niceville, Florida. Well, <laughs> in the front of, witness in, in the front of a trailer park. Um, I also had a friend, I had a friend, uh, these guys were, were great, classic Northwest Florida characters. Um, the Johnson brothers who had both been raised on a boat by their disabled Vietnam father. Uh, when they finally left their father, they were living in a trailer in Fort Walton and um, Jake, who was one of those, like just like weird geniuses that like are somehow arise out of um, the working classes and never go on to great acclaim because somehow do everything. Just decided to make a potato gun in his, um, in his trailer. And if you know, a potato guns, not the gun that you shoot, like, potatoes it's like you the launcher with like butane in it yeah. like a giant yeah. rocket launcher and he blew off the wall of their trailer with... <laughs> <laughs> because the nice thing about trailers is you can actually just blow the wall off <laughs> I... also i remember in high school my friend um bob when they were living in a trailer he set up his weight bench in the trailer <laughs> he was um trying to he was really skinny he was like six foot four like suit like 150 pounds and he was trying to bench press in his trailer and his right arm was stronger than his left so as his left arm collapsed he launched the weights off of the end through the window of his trailer and out into the yard which is a nice trailer so there's all kind of funs you can have in a trailer i've, I've spent a lot of time in trailers and um me too actually i haven't thought in them that much I never been a fun trailer. I did watch a guy give himself a homemade tattoo with a homemade tattoo gun. He'd learned how to make in prison in a trailer one time. Is he just I drawing on? I think his I might have taken a turn administering a homemade tattoo, but just with a needle wrapped in thread and soaked in India ink. Oh man, this guy he 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 had like where you um, I can't remember what the motor came out of, but it was crazy because he had just gotten out of prison. And he just got out of prison and moved in with his girlfriend who I went to high school with. So I don't make what you will of that. Um, and this is why we were all in this trailer. And uh, he, like, you get the motor off of some kind of simple parts that are in lots of stuff. And then you hook it into a pin, but you put a needle inside of the pin case and then, like, rubber bands. So it kind of vibrates and you can give yourself tattoos. And he would just kind of doodle on his arm all the time with it. He was also the guy, he ended up going back to jail because I think I've told this story before. He was in a blockbuster video and decided to steal a bunch of videos. And so he knew that there was the the magnetic strip that set off the alarms in them. So he pulled out the magnetic strips of the videos and dropped them in his bag and then put the magnetic strips in his pocket and walked out the door. (laughs) All the alarms went off and he ended up back in jail. I wonder what happened to that guy. I hope that wasn't his third strike. Well, yeah, you know, Jesus Christ, it very well uh, could have been, and he could be in jail forever for ripping off a blockbuster video, which like doesn't even exist anymore. So who needs those? Videos? I was going to say for our younger listeners, a blockbuster video yeah. <laughs> was, was like how a, you spent a Friday night. Yeah. yeah, that's where you went to figure out what you were going to do that weekend. Or you just spend all weekend looking at the aisles trying to make your mind of what, what right. movie. Walking around. And then it got more confusing when uh, DVDs came out because they divided it into a video and DVD section. You would have to have to wander around the segregated blockbusters. Well, think it, one thing, before we get too far away from trailer parks, I have to say that my mom had a friend who uh, was a fortune teller that lived in... lived in a trailer park and we would go and she would tell our fortunes and she was blind she was also blind and um was she any good uh no Uh, no she didn't get it well she said i would have a very troubled future and i've I've been fine (laughs) nailed it did she call herself cassandra no i i can't remember what her. i think her name was i think her name was deborah i think that oh, seems to be. Yeah, she's no longer with us. That's all. She passed over. 
Oh, yeah. You can still contact her, though. <laughs> yeah. I like the people who um, are earthquake predictors, and they say, like, within the next 10 years, there'll be an earthquake in Japan. It's like, oh, man, nailed it. <laughs> you know, it's like when, when, your fa- when your family comes in, you're going to have a troubled future. Oh, <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Good job, Deborah. Yeah. Way to go. I can tell you so, that. This is actually a good segue into the first thing that I want to talk about. So I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, say that we are Atticus Shrugged, a podcast about uh, politics and culture in the South going on this week. In this, I'm so happy because I wanted to talk about this and I couldn't figure out how to tie it into the South. And then I kept digging and digging and I did. So, um, and I want to talk about, this is a subject I feel like I want to talk about when with not uh, just three white people. Uh, so, but there is a really interesting phenomenon on YouTube of reaction videos. Do you watch any reaction videos? Have you been in yes. the world of reaction videos? And like, there's a, there's a big subset and it's like seemed to come on in recent years. And I think it's probably, I think one reason, definitely one reason I watch them is because like it's the pandemic and I'm not hanging out with people. So I can't say like, hey, like you want to check this out? What do you think? We don't, I don't get to like talk about stuff like that. So you're probably like watching someone else talk about it is your vicarious way to do it. But like there's been noticeably a rise in kind of just roughly black people reacting to quote unquote white music. That, and it's fun to watch. Like I watch it, but it also seems to be like, if you read the comments, like, uh, I'm so happy you kids are like into cream. Um, yeah. And like, you know, like, uh, I'm so happy that you, you, you young folks today aren't all into hip hop and that you signed off on the classic music radio station that I also listen to. And I think like a lot, I think a lot of it's just honest on both sides. I think it's like completely in good faith and honest. Like I, the one that was got really popular a little while ago and I still like are the two brothers, the twins, twins, the new trend who are um, great because one, they seem like so many kids that I've known in my life. And two, they see, they, they completely accept the premise for what it is. Like people like to listen to music and music's fun. So like, whatever. Um, And and it feels like their kind of rise to being popular was based off of reactions to kind of what, what we conceive of as really white music, like Phil Collins and Dolly Parton. I really enjoy it when they react to uh, like uh, R&B music from the 90s that they never listened to and like hear boys to men sing for the first time and are like, what, what do they keep yelling when Nate does his solo? Like, sign him up, sign him up, sign my man up. <laughs> um, but okay, so that that's, I don't want to talk about twins in a trend, but I, I, for some reason, like I, I went down another rabbit hole this week. And I think it's because I'm working right now trying to like finish up my book. Like I was supposed to have it done by like October and it didn't. And then I'm trying to get this done and like my brain starts to fall apart. And so I start just like watching YouTube videos. And so there's a new reaction video. Somehow it came up in the algorithm that I started watching and it is this couple and they're a younger uh, black couple named uh, Brad and Lex. Right. And I started watching them and I started watching them. Um, uh, one, because uh, uh, the, the, the woman uh, Lex is a, uh, well, she's quite attractive, but she, they're also interesting. So I probably started watching. I was kind of sucked in this world. And Brad, the guy, is clearly really clever. Like, he's listening to songs, and I'm like, oh, yeah. The dude totally, totally caught this thing, caught this lyric in it. That's really um, interesting to me that he figured this out. It's an interesting viewpoint on it. So I started watching all these videos. Okay. So I'm watching these videos. I'm kind of sucked in on uh, what, what does this guy think about Blues Traveler? Um, you know, and then they were like, listen to Fugazi and the Dead Kennedys. And so I was like, okay, Fugazi and the Dead Kid, like what is happening here? And I watched them like these takes and then it's like, okay. And then the Rage Against the Machine. I'm like, okay, this will be interesting. What do they think about Rage Against the Machine? And then I look back further and further and it's like, um, uh, the title of one of the videos is like David Lee Roth before cancel culture. I'm like, well, you know, uh, people use that term pretty loosely. Maybe that's doesn't indicate anything and then i keep going back and it's like what do the snowflakes think about something it's like what and so i scroll back further and further and a lot of their early videos are all reactions to do you know this guy tom mcdonald who tom mcdonald is you should look at you should look at a picture of tom mcdonald he's a crazy person like he's a he's one of those like he's so crazy you can't figure out like it must be a scam but he um is like a white guy with giant dreadlocks 
who raps about like how cool Donald Trump is. Um, and he became really popular with like older white Trump fans. Did you see a picture of him? Yeah. Yeah. He's a crazy person. Let me see if I can, uh, I'll find a Tom McDonald lyric for you. We'll edit this if it's boring. Like Tom McDonald, he's, he's a crazy person. And like no one, like I don't understand like how you could look at him and say like, oh, that guy is clearly uh, serious. He's not, he's not joking. Um, so he here's the prominence with his song, White Boy. Is this from White Boy or is White it from Boy. his song, Fake Woke? Is it from Fake, fake Woke? I'll get a Fake Woke in a, in a second, but White Boy is, uh, I cannot feel guilty for shit that I didn't do. Oh my God, no, he's covering Minor Threat now. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> As someone put it on Twitter, the Minor Threat song we don't talk about. Uh, but I can understand the reasons why you think that I should. Yeah, I'm white, but I never put your neck in no noose. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> white boy, don't say that. White boy, oh, you so bad. White boy, you wish you were black. White boy, dear white boy, white boy, white noise. Okay. Um, so that's Tom McDonald. Uh, he also has a tattoo on his face that says hog. Um, <laughs> let's see. So here's a song, Fake Woke. I think it's crazy. I'm the one who they labeled as controversial, and Cardi B is a role model for 12 year old girls. There's rappers pushing Xanax at the top of the billboard, but if I mention race in a song, I'm scared I'll get killed for it. That's a great, he's spitting fire. It's backwards. It's getting exponentially dumb. It's more difficult to get a job than purchase a gun. What? Eminem used to gay bash and murder his mom, and now he doesn't want fans if they voted for Trump. We're ashamed to be American. He's Canadian, by the way. You should probably love it because you have the right to say it and not get strung up in public. As children, we were taught how to walk and talk, but the system wants adults to sit down and shut up. So this is like the bizarro propaganda. He's like the if propaganda had all gotten lobotomies. Um, <laughs> so I noticed that this Brad and Lex, that like their first, like all their, their videos back, if you go further, are, are like to- reacting Tom McDonald reactions about like and i i can't really bring myself to watch them i watched like 30 seconds of the first one and they're like yeah i mean really if you don't like america uh you probably should leave it that just makes sense um and it's like what the what the fuck how am i gotten into what is this um okay so there's a there's a bunch of different threads that go off of this so one is i through through going on this deep dive i figured out they're from florida surprise surprise they're from tampa and um, they also tying back into what we were talking about. They live in a trailer park in Tampa and have also made like reaction videos about what it's like to be black and live in a trailer park in Tampa. And um, I looked at their Instagram and it was all about how they got scammed out of all of their savings a few years ago and now live in a, a trailer in Tampa. And um, okay. So one, I'm, I'm sympathetic to all of those things uh, there, but for the grace of God on all of those, all of those things. Um, and yeah, I get it. And, yeah. but so I started watching uh, their Rage Against the Machine reaction videos and it reminded me so, so people now there's this whole, whole thing uh, on Twitter and other social media about like, how did conservatives not really get what Rage Against the Machine was saying? Like what band could be more explicit about their politics than Rage Against the Machine? But, um, you know, I was in high school with all of these crazy redneck conservatives who also really liked Rage Against the Machine and also did not understand um, why anyone would think that they weren't conservative. Right. And that seems bizarre. That seems just bizarre. But I'm watching this video of them react to Rage Against the Machine. And it's so similar because there's no they have no outside context for anything that's being talked about by Rage Against the Machine. And hear someone saying, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And think, yeah, that's what Tom McDonald's saying, right? That aligns with Donald Trump. This makes sense. And then, like, they're trying, you can watch them try to, like, force what's being said into a box where it's like some of those who work forces are the same who burn crosses. Could not be a more explicit statement that (laughs) cops and Klan go hand in hand. And they're like, well, maybe they're saying, like, militarism is bad, but, like, they still support troops. Like, no one would say anything bad about troops, right? Like, that would be, that would be mean. Um, It's like, it's, it's kind of illustrative of, like, what it's like to have, like political reactions with like zero ideology at all or zero kind of political education or zero knowledge. And then it's reinforced again to me, but that's how most people live. I will put a comma there. (laughs) I mean, 
Is it? I mean, maybe so. I don't know. I, I remember very distinctly having like uh, not a political awakening, but this kind of like put a pin in a political moment for me when I was working in juvie lockup and I was on the night shift and I was also uh, somehow became a head of the young Democrats in Okaloosa County. And I was trying to get people to come to meetings and with, with almost, I don't think I worked with any other white people there. I saw another, no, no, there's an older white guy. I saw a younger white person once. I never worked the same shift with them, but I worked with like younger non-white people and um, not interested in democratic politics. And if I would talk about it with them, they would say things like, well, I'm not really for anyone who doesn't support the troops. And I would be like, what, what, what are we talking about? But, you know, a lot of them were either like in the reserves or in active duty and working a second job and lock up at night or had been in the military and had family had family. Yeah. There was that a lot too. We get that a lot in Florida where people had moved to like live with their cousins who were in the military and they said, move down Florida's cool. And so like you, I think you get like a lot of people who did not line up demographically with what you, your expectations of their politics are to be. And the scary thing for me is that used to be kind of an apolitical position, but I think since Trump, it's a political position now that people might vote, people vote on. Um, and, and it was just kind of exposed to me through watching Brad and Lex try to, uh, digest, um, rage against the machine. Uh, you know, I don't know. Anyways, that's been my rabbit hole this week. But I think we've talked about this before. Like in high school, like there were, I'm sure you knew rednecks who liked that kind of music. We're like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Like I knew people that were like big, like, oh, Rage Against the Machine rocks. And then they would also tell me that I should also listen to Rush Limbaugh because like he has like the Rush Limbaugh is knows knows what the deal is. Then they also thought Rage Against the Machine rocked out. Um. He- yeah, my only way to explain that other than like it's weird in America is weird is saying like, you know, without without any context, without any like political knowledge or political education or like uh, ideology that is just like, um, you know, what if someone's yelling, you know, fuck you at somebody as anti-authoritarian, like what does it matter to you? Like what, you know, their position is on something. I remember someone trying to trying to sell me that on on um that the offsprings you got to keep them separated where they were really conservative and they meant white people and black people <laughs> uh, well i'm i mean i think it, it it's um like this whole like sort of american individualism whereas like fighting the power is just fighting people that want to not be uh you know want to do things to against to us do. yeah yeah basically tell us what to do yeah right. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Sorry, David. Where I went to high school, like, nobody listened to Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) They they didn't exist. They had been invented. Members of Rage Against the Machine were 10 years old when I graduated from high school. Okay, so people at your high school listened to Inside Out, then, is what you're saying. (laughs) They listened to Van Halen um, almost exclusively, I think. Before, Before cancel culture. Uh, yeah, um, uh, did did David Lee Roth somehow get canceled? Was it? Um, were they one, like one of the band and doing his uh, uh, "Eat 'Em Raw"? Was that what it was? Called? <laughs> well, Eddie, can you? <laughs> Eddie Van Halen got canceled recently. Yeah, he got the he got the big cancel. Big cancel. <laughs> got the he got hard canceled as they call. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the most amazing things about David Lee Roth is that he, he was never canceled, right? Like, David Lee Roth has been David Lee Roth from, like, the get-go. Like, I don't think... Yeah, uh, he's in one well, of the most I... famous bands that ever existed and also has a really successful solo career. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think all over the world. part of that is, like, the what I think of as a Seinfeld thing, where it's like, if... Like when Jerry Seinfeld was coming up, there were still some old comedians doing my mother-in-law jokes, right? Like uh, right. take my life, please, sort of Henry yeah. Youngman sort of stuff. Buddy Hackett was still was still showing right. up with gross oh, and yeah. stuff like that. And it and it doesn't occur to Seinfeld at all that the reason that people don't like him is not because he's uh, 
uh, not woke. It's just because he's Buddy Hackett. He's somebody who's doing <laughs> material that was popular, you know, 40 years ago. I mean, who, uh, right. young people don't get into his uh, uh, monologues about, uh, well, also he talks a lot about being really rich. And I think that doesn't play <laughs> as well as he might expect it to. But he's just like, you know, it's not like because people are so woke. It's just like telling jokes about chasing the secretary around the desk and about how horrible mother-in-laws are. Um, quit being funny because people just realized that it wasn't funny. And the same thing is true about Bill Maher. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's Bill Maher syndrome. It's like Bill Maher, I remember being like mildly funny once in like the maybe early 90s, like mildly. And then since then, he's like, you know, not particularly funny and not particularly clever. And so, but he just complains all the time about like, he doesn't get booked on college campuses anymore. It's like, did you, do you remember when you were a young comedian, like a 70 year old guy is getting booked on college <laughs> campuses? Like who, who wants to listen to you? Like, what do you possibly have to say? And then the funny thing about that is you probably remember, Chad, you probably remember the, the um, Larry, the cable guy, David Cross feud. Um, oh Yeah. <laughs> where Larry the Cable Guy's like, I'm sure you don't like me because you're I'm I'm not politically correct. And it's like David Cross literally has a routine about people being allowed to have sex with his corpse when he's dead. Like, you know, he literally <laughs> has a routine about being raped by the apparition of the Virgin Mary. Like I don't I don't think his concern was in like the the you know, the acceptability of of comedy. Okay. Um yep. anyway. But I totally, but I do, I want, I want, like, I would love to, to like, talk to Brad and Lex. I would love to talk to them. And, like, ask, So the other question, this is the other thread on this. Like, I think the, uh, because they're clearly, like, really kind of bright people. Like, if, if you are, like, young and black and, like, you are looking to, to, um, to make some cash, like, telling older like boomer white people that like their music is actually really good and you just didn't realize it until now is a really good like marketplace to get into i think like props like no you know all respect to them i think that's that's great if you can just be like yeah uh steve miller band Phew, they are lit uh and like you know you get a million subscribers good for you do it i would do it if I if I could, but no one like being forty four and white and saying like yeah, Steve Miller band's pretty good. Like no audience really is expected. Yeah, it's like yeah, like and I do. I saw Steve Miller band at Jazz Fest and they were great. <laughs> you know, it was sort of my. I what I think he might have been the first person, and it's not a uh, reaction video, but. Um, that whole syndrome of having some of your taste validated by the fact that hip black people like it, who mm. carry the sort of the stamp of authenticity and approval in a way with big boy talking about riding his bike when he was a kid listening to Kate Bush <laughs> <laughs> and about how much he loved Kate Bush uh, uh, running up that hill and he'd be riding his bike <laughs> uh, and listening to it on his headphones. And I just thought, uh, there we go. All right, I'm not. I'm not completely uh, out of the blue and uh, liking Kate Bush. That's funny. I hadn't heard that story, but I do remember Andre Three Thousand talking about like how he he really loved uh, William. It was really nothing by the Smiths it was like his favorite song when he was uh, younger. And that's how he learned how to play guitar was only the chords <laughs> of William. It was really nothing, which is how Hey uh, ended up being written because those are the only chords that he knows on a guitar. <laughs> I can see him being a Smiths fan. I mean, he's a uh, sort of complicated dude. Yeah, and I think especially like you know that song, uh, which is a, a great song, and one of those like one of the, speaking of um, um, imaginary Bang. cancel culture. Think about like the Smiths, like you know Morrissey, Morrissey, who should honestly be canceled at this point, writing a song about like uh, like. I guess I might interpret that song as like him having a relationship with a with a someone who is supposedly straight and telling him to go back to his straight life because it's never gonna it's never gonna <laughs> actually work, right? Which is like, I think when you listen to like Andre Three Thousand and Big Boy in like that context, like where how how out, Outcast Emerge starts to make um, increasing sense, right? Yeah. Is them being just like really perceptive, like musically diverse uh, people. 
Yep, I think, you know, well, of course, that's the thing that was, I think, always the secret of how they just crossed outside of any sort of boundaries was because, um, yeah, they they brought in everything uh, pop, especially pop music. But, um, uh, yeah, just all different sorts of things. Uh, it's about to turn to the Outcast fan cast, but I was just, what was I thinking about the other day? Like, just, I was thinking about just Outcast lyrics and about like how clever they are linguistically about, um, what was the line? That's what you live for, or either that's what you die to. It's like that's <laughs> very funny. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. So that's my, that's my, Brad, is Brad and Lex, you're welcome to come on the uh, podcast anytime. I'm really interested. Like, I'm really, I would, those are the kind of people, like, I would really like to, like, not argue with but like say like what like what i I want to understand this like what is what is this i'm i'm curious like what what's going on and like can i can i give you some politics to have (laughs) please do you think that it's do you think that it's cynical that it's just um um pandering to an audience that they understand. I really can't tell. And that's the thing that makes it interesting to me because both of them are interesting people and seem to be like, if it was fa- totally fake, I think it would be flat. Yeah. And it really? doesn't seem flat to me. Um, or if it's fake and it's not flat, they're really good at it. <laughs> or, the possibility they remind me of so many people I've known over the years of where like they have exposure to a lot of culture and don't have exposure to a lot of politics and in, in, in a kind uh, of way. Yeah. Um, and where, you know, kind of all of politics is kind of taking place within culture, but they're not really people who have a strong side in that debate. They just kind of, um, you know, fine. And like, look, saying like, uh, also part of their Instagram thing is being like into guns and stuff. And it's like, you know, that's not, I have to tell people like in Florida, that's not something that's either liberal, conservative, black or white, like being into carrying a pistol, right? It's like pretty widespread. Like it's not, that's not the, that's not the big political divide. Um, and also in, in Florida, if you're a black person, you might have some really well-reasoned reasons to like carry, carry a gun Uh, there's a lot of george zimmerman's out there um sadly anyway that's hey can we talk about that too this has nothing to do with the south but i felt like it had so much to do with the south was the uh cal rittenhouse verdict the other day is that within our purview well i think it was probably so but also particularly in the context of the um uh georgia verdict the uh Yeah. Yeah. And I was watching, I want to get someone on to talk about the Charlottesville stuff too, because I was watching those three trials like simultaneously. The, um, and it's funny, someone also pointed out, we call the Rittenhouse one the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and we call the Ahmed Aubrey one the Ahmed Aubrey trial. And it's like, Ahmed Aubrey's not on trial. He he got murdered. Um, and then, and then, uh, the Charlottesville stuff, which was just like good, but also just bizarro public theater for, uh, white supremacists. Um, we should go more in depth on these at some point, but yeah, those three things are happening at the same time. And, um, I think like a lot of people, like I was disappointed in the Rittenhouse verdict, but not surprised in the least. I just wanted to say that I think that the reason that we call it the Aubrey trial Mm -hmm. is because there was one victim and three killers. And in the other case, there was one Uh, killer and two victims. And so you name it after the side that has one person on it. Uh, rather than, uh, than having to remember all three names of the victims or all three names of the uh, uh, killers. Like, I yeah. honestly can't think of the names of the three killers off the top of my head. That's the, yeah. the lamestream media being lazy. It's got Mac in it somewhere, the Mac. But, yeah, I mean, good good job to the English degree. I think Junior, Junior is probably in there somewhere. One of their Bubba, names. Yeah, I think actually that might be true because wasn't one wasn't it a father and son? Wasn't it was that a father the, son team? Father and son yeah. team. So a junior, I so saw I was right, like junior. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail the uh, No no that's good. I'm just yeah. seeing what their names are. Um the McMichaels. Gregory and Travis McMichael. <laughs> their name. McMichaels. Actually, and they look identical. And one, the dad used to be a cop, right? And the son was yeah. like 
so well, many other people we know would love to be a cop. They've indicted the um, uh, is it the prosecutor, uh, the judge, the judge, and uh, yeah, the judge in the who had originally completely mishandled the case because the the guy had been worked for the prosecutor's office, the dad. Yeah. And so, uh, and the crazy thing about this, but that also makes complete sense to me, is that. Um, is that the reason we have this video is because their accomplice thought they were doing something really great and that the video needed to get out there. And then we wouldn't have had the trial if the video hadn't existed because people had to leak the video and get it out in the media for people to say, Jesus Christ, they murdered this guy. Um, or else it would just be a thing that happened in the news where it's like, oh, no, some guy was uh, out doing robberies and got killed. Well, I think there's a whole, like, those folks like those three folks in particular uh mm -hmm. uh the one whose name is uh roddy something uh mcdonald maybe or something he's uh uh he tried he started or his girlfriend rather once he was convicted started a gofundme for him uh brian is his last name uh, uh roddy brian uh and they shut it down uh but they but he was raising money from gofundme and I think that there's an understanding that they have that a lot of people know exactly what they did and they support them for it. And that uh, yeah. um, um, that GoFundMe is also just like when they released that video, they thought just like Falwell back in the 70s with his moral majority, that those conservative people in that vein, because they associate only with each other, they really think that they are in the vast majority in the country. Yeah. And uh, once they saw what happened, that everybody would be on their side because clearly that guy deserved being killed because he had all the right um, characteristics of those who should be killed and that they should be doing the killing because they have all the right characteristics of uh, people who should be killing. And I mean, at its simplest, level is just black and white but there's even more than that when it comes to cultural signifiers of like in the like the god the prosecutors or the the defense rather talking about um aubrey's uh toenails big dirty yeah dirty uh, long dirty toenails and it's like you know it's all this sort of like um uh call back to uh, this anxiety about black bodies, about black uh, uh, lives. And this, like, I have to say, I mean, just about every black person I know is they're the cl cleanest people I've ever met, you know, like almost obsessively clean people a lot of times. And of to course, a point I, that's like a punchline on like black Twitter is about like, uh, you know, how dirty white people are, like why you don't have more soap in your house and stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, but this, uh, uh idea, you know, and this, uh, uh, sort of tying it all together in, um, a sort of horror about black physicality, which of course I think also goes to the old trope that uh, has been used to fuel racism forever about uh, fear of black sexuality and a black planet. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it's just like uh, the dog whistle, all the dog whistles and all of the, uh, like those people know who they are and they know what is going to get them support. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess the thing that, that's a little bit surprising for people is like, you know, I, I'm sure there are lots of people who, who think that video is a-okay and the right thing did happen. Right. I mean, I know that's one of, that was one of the main cleavages with me of like ceasing to use Facebook or like breaking off with a lot of people I'd like gone to high school with and stuff was when, uh, um, when George Zimmerman was found not guilty of, of killing, uh, killing Trevor Martin, like it, like it was horrifying and all these people went like on Facebook to celebrate. And it was like, you're, you're a crazy person. If you look at the facts of that case and think, okay, that worked out. Um, it's just, I mean, it's insane. It's still like enraging to me like now that you can think that. Right. And so, but I think a lot of people did expect that video to come out and say, yeah, that's, that's the right thing. That's the right thing that happened. Um, Two things about that. One, well, this ties into the written out, so I'll get to the second. So the other thing is, and I think we might have discussed this before, the the excuse for killing him was that they thought he was walking around a property where a house was being built. And I got to yeah. say, if that's a reason to kill somebody, I'm dead like 40 
50 times at least. Yeah, like, I don't know. When I was a kid, like that's all we did because we were building subdivisions all over Destin. And we would go ride around a subdivision that was under construction and go walk through the house. Like who doesn't? And I know as an adult, I can think the year before I left New Orleans, there was um, a building under construction in the French Quarter and it was nighttime and we were kind of walking through and like, oh, what? It was all opened up. Like it was all like, there, and we're like, well, what is that? And kind of walked around the site and looked at it. It's like, so you can follow me around and kill me for doing that? Like that's an excuse. It's It's been said many times before, but it's amazing like how much uh, leeway property is given in these things, right? Like, oh, the property. Like who... Do you care? Do you really care about the property? Well, that takes us back to Rittenhouse and yeah. uh, this idea that he was there to uh, uh, defend uh, property, defend a car lot. Defend, defend property, yeah. And that's, you know, God, the, the absolute sickness of, of America and that that will work as an excuse and that I felt a need to defend someone else's car lot. Yeah. Someone that was I've probably, never met. That was probably insured, any, you know, that probably had right. insurance against anything that would, yeah, like I had to drive across two states with a three thousand dollar, yeah, three thousand dollar illegal weapon to defend defend a car lot. Defend a car lot. It's 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 insane. And you know the numbers are out now on these studies about how relative to other protests, like across time, that the Black Lives Matter protests, like how unviolent they were, how not destructive they were. And I have a whole problem with that kind of mindset. Like I, I uh, am on the record of thinking that property destruction is sometimes um, okay in these uh, instances. And, but in any case, but the, the, the BLM uprisings were not, were, were less violent than, than uprisings across time were less destructive of property, but people still to this day need to believe that they were and need to believe that it was really violent, need to believe that it was really scary. So it allows you to rationalize. Yes, I needed to go there with a gun to protect myself. I needed to travel somewhere else and then have a gun to protect myself, which brings us into the, there's a similarity I've seen across the Rittenhouse case. This was in the Trayvon Martin case as well, in the Aubrey case. And it was also this week, I don't even saw the horrible, was this in Texas where the guy shot another guy on his front lawn who was there for like kids visitation? And he, um, the new boyfriend came out with an AR-15. It's like, get off my property. Um, And so what happened in all of these cases is that when someone, so you're carrying a, 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 a weapon, like an assault weapon, and I don't have any problem with using those terms. Um, and someone grabs it, right? Because you have a weapon, they don't know what you're going to do with it. They then shoot you after you grab the weapon and then say, I had to, he was trying to grab my weapon, which seems to me like just something, I mean, it's something you began. It's like people, so conservatives like to say, like, if you break into someone's house, house and get shot, and then you argue, like they argue that you uh, shouldn't have been shot, uh, you shouldn't have broken into the house. Doesn't it also apply here? Like if you're running around with a gun, possibly waving it at people, if someone tries to take it for you, it from you, isn't that pretty much on you? Like I don't quite understand that. You're creating the situation. Well, and I think I had this conversation online with a few different people who said, How stupid do you have to be to attack somebody with an uh, AR-15 or whatever it was, uh, with when you have a skateboard? And I'm like, well, I know somebody personally and consider him pretty much a friend who tackled somebody who was shooting in a church. Uh, yes. He didn't have anything at all in his hands. Was he an idiot for right. doing that? I mean, he disarmed right. the guy and he stopped him from killing even more uh, people in his uh, church shooting. And uh, whatever you think of the first shooting, uh, Anthony Huber, the, the um, skateboard guy, he sees a guy running with a gun, people chasing yeah. after him and saying he's, he's killed somebody. Yeah. He's a shooter. And it's like, whatever else you think of him, it was brave to try to disarm him uh, when you were armed only with a skateboard. And come on, we all know if the politics of the situation were different, he'd be praised as a hero. This is after years of gun advocates, people uh, saying like, well, if there's a shooting in a school, like elementary school kids should be trained to like attack, like we're all run. All you should all bulldog the shooter, right? We should tell kids you should all run it. I mean, honestly, people say that seriously, like the elementary school kid should learn how to like mass attack someone with a gun, right? And so you can't. I mean, we all know it's bullshit anyway, but you can't believe all of these things simultaneously, right? Well, it's like was, if you, 
I said it and during one of these conversations, if Huber had been a good guy with a gun instead of a good guy with a skateboard, skateboard. he'd be the one on trial right now. That like uh, that's a yeah. problem with the good guy with a gun theory. You only right. know what you can see of the context of any given situation, any given shooting, and um, uh, you, you know, like uh, you act on what information you have, and you're nobody is so good that it makes him omniscient. Yeah, and well, we also know what happens if this is. Um if this goes the other way was uh, Michael, I never know if that's the last name, Michael Reinhold, Reinhold, um, who was in uh, Washington and <clears throat> ended up killing like a, a, a white supremacist at, at a, at one uh, of these demonstrations, right? He shot him and then he went into hiding and then the U S marshals uh, caught uh, up with him and murdered him. Like, it's pretty clear. Like if you read the New York times reporting on what went down, he just got set up and, and killed. Yeah. Uh, and even Trump uh, at a campaign rally in Greenville, North Carolina, um, praised the U.S. Marshals who said, like, we got him. Uh, they didn't. Trump said directly uh, the Marshals got him and they quote, this is in quotes, didn't want to arrest him. Right. And so we know what happens if you kill uh, someone on the far right at one of these. You you will be hunted down and killed or that's one possibility. Right. Um you know, and and I always forget his name too. But the the one guy who survived, who was shot in the in the bicep, had a gun. And uh, you know, looking at it now, he his hesitation, uh, he, he by all rights could have killed Kyle Rittenhouse, and probably I don't want to say the word should have about killing somebody, but well, he, he by all hard rights could him. have. He, he could have canceled can him. He could have hard canceled. He gave him effectively the hard deployed cancel culture uh, on Kyle Rittenhouse. Gave, gave him the hard cancel. Uh huh. He could have uh, woke woke him up. <laughs> and hard cancel them um, immediately. But, you know, he hesitated and didn't, probably because he's a decent human being, right? Um, and and for that, uh, this is what we get. And so now my congressman, Matt Gates is in a competition with um, Asheville Congressman Madison Cawthorn to see who can get Kyle Rittenhouse a gig on Capitol Hill right now. Make copy. He'll be making copies pretty soon up there for him. And you know, something I mentioned this week, and I don't, this is, uh, I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that, so the stuff going on with Ilan Omar, our best congressperson, and Lauren Boebert, uh, while all these people are competing to get Cal Rittenhouse a gig, this is not like accidental stuff while we're also yeah. still not doing anything about the January 6th stuff. I mean, um, uh, they want everyone to be intimidated. Like, that's the goal. Like, they like it when people are scared. And it's pretty clear from the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, like, that's that's the good part, right? They want people to be to be scared so the conservatives can walk around with guns wherever they want at a demonstration, and you have to do what they say or else they can kill you because they're worried about you. Anyway, that's the good news. I'm here to report the good news. Well, if huh. I, I would just say, if they try, if any of those Republicans tried to shoot me, I would say, you better kill me if you're going to shoot me. Yeah, that used to be what I said, and now I'm like, I'm pretty sure they'd kill me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they would kill me. But at least I would be, at least it would be over. Well, and that's what, so this killing, I believe it's in Texas, of the people over the custody dispute. Oh, um, yeah. I think it happened like last month. But that's essentially like what happens there, where the dad yeah. is like, look, you better kill me if you're going to pull that gun out here. Um, and so the guy does. It's like, yeah, that's why I have a gun. Like, And he's got... It shows again, and you know, I've been around guns my whole life, but I will. This is one thing that gun people are completely wrong. Another thing they're completely wrong on is it does not improve the situation. It does not solve the situation. It like it immediately escalates everything when the guy walks out on his front porch with the AR-15. Like Jesus Christ! Like now, the only next step that you have is is murdering somebody. That's it. You kill somebody. That's the next step. That's the only. That's all your last option. You either you uh, give in. Oh no, you wouldn't want to do that, uh, or you, um, or you kill the guy. Congratulations on your, you know. Well, that's why I have a remote control bazooka on top of my car now. Well, this is another conversation that I had online this uh, week. Was about um, the old adage that you should never pull a gun unless you plan on killing a person. And I remember hearing that when I grew up, along with. Yeah. Uh, that if you feed a dog gunpowder, it makes him a good guard dog and various other things. <laughs> <laughs> if you jumped up and down, you couldn't get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and um, um, 
it's like, well, you know, I'd be dead several times over. Um, right. uh, especially if the police followed that. Every time they pulled a gun, they killed somebody. Like, I've had police uh, pull guns in situation, I would assume. Um, <laughs> to not get too specific. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was like a traffic Allegedly. They allegedly. Yeah, I mean, I've had guns pulled on me at traffic stops by cops. Um, I had a security guard at a golf course hold me at gunpoint while saying bang, bang over and over again. <laughs> that sounds kind of like a dream. <laughs> or maybe maybe uh, like a... a uh, 100% real. Maybe it was a scene that ended up on the cutting room floor. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a dream. <laughs> But, but so, so my dad always said that, and like this, um, this is part of this transition that the responsible gun owner kind of narrative has gone through, I think. But so my dad's advice, and I think it was good advice because we had guns in the house was every gun is loaded, no matter what, no matter what you did, no matter what you see, no matter what you think, every gun is loaded. Right. And you never pick up a gun unless you're going to shoot something and you never shoot something unless you intend to kill it. Just meaning that's the chain. Things will go down. You're never going to pick up like any gun could be loaded, possibly. You never joke around with pointing it because you assume that what you pointed at is going to be shot and you assume that what you shoot is going to kill so that you never get it in your head. Uh, I'm going to joke with this and then if I shoot somebody, I'm going to like shoot them in the leg or whatever, right? You assume that you're taking responsibility for everyone's life when you pick up a gun, right? That's the way I was taught it. And I think that's reasonable within the framework of having guns around, right? Um but like, and that's where that comes from. But now um, I think the, the people like the, the second rights movement has moved on from that to saying, I have the responsibility uh, for everyone's lives around me and I get to decide who I kill and who gets killed. Right. It's not it's not a safety thing. It's me getting to to pick who gets killed. Based on it's how like, I feel about. Uh, based on, but, yeah. Yeah. Based on, based on my feelings at the time. If I feel scared, but you can still show people based yeah. on your feelings. Yeah. It's like, uh, they get to be a chow young fat or John McClane, you know, they get to, you know, <laughs> yeah. I haven't thought about chow young fat in a long time. There you go. Yeah. You get the two guns. You can shoot. Them yeah. Anywhere. Just shoot everywhere. And you only kill the people that deserve to die. Just oh, like, that's the way it happens. Just Yippee like chow young fat and John, John McClane. John McClane. There you go. Yeah, he's also so, divorced. He is a divorce. He's the king of divorced dads. He's like the <laughs> yeah. boss of divorced dads everywhere. John McClane, the patron saint of divorced dads, <laughs> Shows, flies in on Christmas, yeah. spends the whole holiday like shooting guns, hanging He's out cleaning, with his buddies, cleaning up his ex-wife's mess. <laughs> yeah, I'll show her who's boss. But yeah, and this we'll we'll do Charlottesville. We'll have to get somebody to talk about the Charlottesville thing. But that this ties in with that whole trial too, where it actually went back on these guys, where they were they were trying to be the same way about ha having a monopoly on violence, um, and uh, got sued for it under the KKK Act, and it was uh, effective. They got settled, and I, I have to say, I think this is going to happen to Rittenhouse too. I think he's going to get his ass sued off in civil court. I think that like you know Ricky Schroeder and Donald Trump Jr. will probably pony up for the bills. No, they'll never be paid, but. Um, I, I gotta think he loses a civil case on this. If if the the video is able to be introduced of him saying, "I really want to take my AR-15 and kill people," which wasn't allowed in this case. First off, it's Rick Schroeder, and Whatever. second, um, Richard, it's Ricky Schrader. It's Ricky Rick, Schrader. Rick. We all know the truth. <laughs> Aaron Gray was the only person <laughs> worthwhile on Silver Spoons. Secondly, I find it well. I was going to say I find it hard to believe that he still has. Uh, um, uh, silver spoon money to throw around. <laughs> I no, mean, man, maybe he's, he's, he's very. Uh, he's uh, on to the NYPD blue money now. Oh yeah, uh, was he in NYPD blue? Yeah, and he was in the reboot of Lonesome Dove. Oh, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't kept up with his career the way I should. <laughs> well, he was in the NYPD Blue seasons where they were just like, look, we showed Dennis Franz butt enough on this show and like we clearly have nothing else to do. So we'll put Ricky Schroeder, Rick Schrader, Ricky Schrader on there. Um, was yeah. David Caruso in that show? Is that 
David Caruso was on it when it first started. So I, I used to love this show. He was on it when it first started and uh, was good. And then he left because he was decided he was going to be way more successful than this little show NYPD Blue and went on to an acting career in movies, which you remember his uh, movie acting career. We all remember um, as well. Yeah, I, I think he was great. in uh, that, that movie about that thing. Mm-hmm, he was. Uh, and then they replaced him with Jimmy Smith. Who was good as Jimmy Smith always is, and then they Princess had Jimmy Leia's, Smith, uh, Princess yeah, Leia's stepdad, yeah, uh, of Alderaan, brother. and then they had him die of like a heart condition on this show. I guess he <laughs> he wanted to go into a successful movie career and actually did take that David Caruso, um, and then they got maybe Ricky Schrader or somebody else. That show, like the idea, that's one of those shows I love watching it. The ideology of that show is so horrible. Uh, it's just about like why can't cops beat people more? Like why do why do criminals get lawyers? Is kind of take away <laughs> from that show. Why don't we just shoot people before they do bad stuff? Anyway, we've actually uh, been talking about this for an hour, so I'm going to give you one bit of good news this week from all the shooting bad news. Is that across there were elections in Georgia this last week, and across Georgia, um, Democratic candidates were really successful and uh, making moves in the um in four democrats in elections across georgia uh i know that south fulton councilman khalid kamau ousted incumbent mayor bill edwards in the mayoral race and i know there were uh black candidates did really well across georgia including um replacing some white mayors of predominantly black districts so that's a good change to see and might bode well because stacy abrams says she's running for governor of um Georgia. And Donald Trump put out the statement this week about um, about uh, how how Republicans have to beat uh, nasty, nasty Stacey Abrams with her fake elections, but not with Brian Kemp, who doesn't like Trump enough. So that'll be a fun election to watch coming up. And one, I think, probably winnable for Stacey Abrams. I think she won it last time. If Brian Kemp hadn't been the secretary of state in charge of the election, I think Stacey Abrams uh, was was the winner. But there was a lot of funny business funny business there so that'll be that'll be interesting to see well i I don't know man i think maybe uh georgia's kind of uh, it's got to have a lot of people scared that georgia is starting to set an example of how the huge black minority in the south can change politics Uh, especially when combined with a um uh, a white electorate that is not nearly as conservative red republican as people from other parts of the country want to believe you know it's like when you've got um um well i mean the the no place is uh, quite as red and blue as uh, the media likes to paint it that way i think because it's um it's easy to say this is a red state this is a blue state and to ignore the fact that a really significant minority of people have politics that um uh, that certainly demure and maybe even are um, uh, more radical. You know, I, I pointed out on the show before that uh, uh, Knoxville has more uh, socialists on its uh, city council than New York does. Yeah, uh, Tampa yeah. just got a socialist city council member. So good, good for good for Tampa. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean the red blue thing is one of. Uh, one of just the worst metrics that was ever imposed on on politics ever. It's really, really insanely flawed in so many ways. And it's also a really good way to teach people about how maps can lie to you. Um, Because essentially what those maps oppose is that land, land equals voters, right? Which is not even close to being true. So that's why, you know, those maps, you look out West, it's just a bunch of like Wyoming is a, giant red state with like you know what how many eligible voters less than five hundred thousand, i would think um, i mean i think originally that's the way they wrote the constitution that land equaled voters well sort of, <laughs> sort of, sort of, correct, sort of correct jack well, with all the urban planning jokes now <laughs> and, well it also uh, uh um fills in red the same color of red if um, a Republican candidate won by one vote, or if they won, or if they won by, by like ninety five percent, yeah, twenty five percent, or whatever, that it's the that it's the same. That uh, 
or uh, also that all of the people in uh, an area are eligible to vote, which, you know, this is the problem in Florida, right. is there are 2 million people, 2 million people who have felonies who are not able to vote, who voters of Florida decided should be eligible to vote, and then Ron DeSantis just said, no, we're not going to uh, do that. Sorry. And yeah. so, you know, what what does it show of you? Show Florida is being red. What are you actually looking at? Or if you look at like, this, the state of Kentucky, too, like the state of... Yeah. I don't think Ron DeSantis ever actually said sorry. No, I may probably... I think he said sorry, not sorry. He said sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and then he kind of giggled. He said sorry to, like, the torturers at Guantanamo Bay when he had to ask them once to stop after 26 hours of, like, torturing someone. Like an 18-year-old who'd been sent there because the farmer next door didn't like him. Um, Ron says, sorry, I have to ask you to hang it up for the night. Man, um, uh, Florida's just not good at picking governors at all. Who is it's crazy? Well, because it used to be, it used to be okay at it. And then like, we've just been overrun and like, you get the biggest dim bulbs ever. I will, I will, like, I will sum up all of it in this one conversation I had with my dad this March. This wasn't about governor, but this was about Matt Gates. I, I said like that, you know, like Matt Gates is just this dork who has a rich dad and he's just like the worst human being ever. He's like, well, I don't much like Matt Gates, but I was just so turned off by that other guy. Uh, his politics. And I said, who was the other guy? He didn't know. So uh, I think that's kind of how Florida governor races go. The, there's a whole, whole, whole bunch of people who are just going to vote for the Republican, whoever it is. And then the rest of the people who will kind of like, mm, I don't know. What should we do? I don't know. Um, we had a, I thought, you know, uh, I feel bad for all the things that have happened to Andrew Gilliam in the, since the election, but I thought he was a great candidate and um, should have won. This time we're going to get like, Fucking Charlie Crist, who used to be the Republican governor of Florida, is trying to run as the anti-DeSantis candidate. I believe that um, Nikki Freed, who's the agricultural commissioner, is also trying to run, and maybe Gwen Graham. Uh, problems with all of these people is that they are also very vocally, um, uh, Florida should um, you know, overthrow Castro and, and take back Cuba for the Floridians uh, people. Um, Chris is just, you know, a Republican who converted to Democrat to get elected, but he's kind of representative of the kind of person who used to be governor of Florida, right? The kind of the Bob Graham, Bob Graham governor in which after Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis, like, please God, I'll go and Jeb Bush. Like, I'll go back to that. <laughs> well, we all well, can't have Texas governors. I know you guys are incredible. Um, I think that, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey, 2012. <laughs> well, he said he's not running. Yeah. But I think that Florida is one of the very few southern states that if uh, the, at some point, uh, I don't know how long before the um, uh, trials over and before the decisions made, but that if Roe versus Wade gets um, uh, set back this week, there's like 21 states that will automatically oh, yeah. have abortion laws. But Florida is not one of them yet, although they'll do it as soon it as they it will be like it's rigged. The game's rigged. There's another thing we can talk about it next week, but I had it for this week about um, that. There was a good compromise that where the uh, congressional districts were not going to be gerrymandered in Florida. It was pretty equal. And then the Florida Republicans, as they usually do, running wild, just said decided this week. Oh, nah, actually about that. We're just going to gerrymander Florida too. So yeah, have fun. All right. So on that note, that's all for this week. See you next week. See you next week. Bye, guys.